0: Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Here with two special guests, Joe Green and Richard Bartholomew. We're going to talk about one thing. Actually, we're probably going to talk about a lot of things because that's how my show goes. But it's a pleasure to have you guys back on the show. Joe, it's great to see you, man. Um, how are you doing? And, Rich, I'll ask you how you're
1: doing next.
2: <laughs> I'm doing good. Glad to be on the show, man. Rich?
1: I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Your
0: hair looks amazing.
1: Oh, thanks. I'm not doing anything. I'm not trying to look good or anything. I'm, I'm on a haircut strike.
0: Why are you on a haircut strike? <laughs> wait,
1: wait, wait. It's better than a hunger strike. I'm trying to get somebody to do something, and I'm not going to do it. They're not going to do it, uh, and I'm not going to cut my hair until it happens.
0: Wait, what's the thing that they got to do?
1: Well, you don't want to get into that? Okay, that's it's a fair. haircut strike. Okay, and it, it could easily go another year. So be done to my back. This is the longest, by the way, it's ever been. I had it was a little shorter than this my senior year in high school. But that's getting up. now. I'm I'm past the threshold now for milestones.
0: It's time to break out the old varsity jacket.
1: But I'm i feeling like you We're know, Salvador out. Dali, Native American, you know, all that Okay, kind of don't stuff. say
0: that. We'll get canceled. Um I I called you guys together because I've been trying to get this uh, pulled together for a long time to us finally talk about space um because you guys have different opinions and perspectives and i'm in the beginning i was kind of more in the boat of the a little fun topic i've said with astrophysicists and many other people that i thought that the moon landing we didn't land there when we said we landed there um i thought it was a big thing to try and win the cold war um because the country really needed it at that point but then through the past couple of weeks i've been doing a lot of my own research um and looking through just a bunch of video footage and everything like that and I come out with not necessarily a different perspective, but I think there's a lot of things that just don't make sense that were really never explained certain individuals that voiced an opinion that was a little bit different than the official. Um, and then also though, it, it seems to be just like kind of similar to the Kennedy assassination was there's a lot of people that were doubting the government's credibility in that aspect of things. And maybe that might just be a long haul of the sixties, but I wanted to get your guys opinions of it. I'll start with you, Rich, because I know you side more in the realm of, uh, we went to the moon even though we lost the technology to be able to do so uh which is a little bit weird but we can get into that but rich give me your perspective why are you such a uh, a fan or a patriot of we did go to the moon
1: um i'm a, you know i'm an advocate of we did go to the moon because we went to the moon period um i wrote an essay um, it's on my substack, substack.com. It's called Apollo Denial, The Moon Landing Hoax Hoax. I made the whole case there. It's solid. It's easy to make. Boom. Footnoted everything. Go to the websites I footnoted. Go to the videos I footnoted. It's all there. I'm just winging this, but everything I'll try to remember here is in that essay. and. You know, it's nailed. It is just nailed. We went to the moon. It was easier to go to the moon than it was to fake it. Now, but, there's a caveat to this. There's a but. We didn't go to the moon the way most people think we did. And the hoax, the hoax is a conspiracy in itself. The idea that we didn't go to the moon is a hoax because they don't want you to know that we actually did go to space way far more than people know we did, the secret space program. Now, if you don't believe we can go into space, that cancels you from talking about the secret space program, which was the purpose of creating the moon landing hoax. And it started, by the way, a guy at NASA, the day, they're holding a press conference, either right before the launch or the day of the launch, that morning, and they're holding a press conference. And some, some guy walks in, and he's handing out flyers. That's all about the moon landing hoax. And that's how they did it. That's how they started it. Uh, it was NASA themselves who started the moon landing hoax because they wanted to make sure that, you know, if somebody accidentally heard some audio when they went to a different channel and stuff and talked about stuff that you weren't supposed to hear and started putting two and two together, uh, they wanted this backup conspiracy theory so that they could, cancel people they could drag you into it it's a straw man argument they could drag you into it and cancel you make you believe that we can't go into space and it was all filmed so that they could keep you out of the argument that there's a secret space program which there is okay Joe. that's my basic case right there
0: joe did you have anything on that or did you want to share your perspective so
2: um I mean that's the the caveat is is uh, uh, very well said because it's certainly possible that there is a secret space program and, and there's they're getting there some other way that we are not privy to. I mean that's always possible, um, and I also want to say that uh, you, like you guys kind of talked about it, uh, kind of brought this up last time that I flirt with certain ideas. And that's true, I do flirt with certain ideas. And this whole discussion is fundamentally, I would say less serious than when we're talking about like the Kennedy assassination or something else. Um, that's why I really, I really haven't written about this. Um, but here's, here's some of the, the things that I take issue with. And it's really not even, I don't even really think necessarily that we didn't go to the moon. Um, what i would say is that the evidence that has been presented is highly lacking and i don't blame especially young people for saying this looks ridiculous because it does look ridiculous and so it's not it, it, i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's stupid to question what we've been given because what we've been given does appear to be preposterous but the fundamental thing the thing that gets me going is okay. So when I, I went to college, I had two roommates and they were both engineers. Okay, one was a mechanical engineer, one was an electrical engineer. And I'm the kind of guy, especially when I was young, like I read every book in our house when I was a kid because it just, there's not enough stuff for me to read. And I grew up literally on a college library so I could go to the library and just read everything in the damn library. Well, we went to college. Uh, I I read all the books for my classes. And so I just started reading the books for their classes. Because, Like I say, I just read any damn thing. And one of the books that really made an impression on me was by this engineer. And it was called something like The Sadness of the Engineer, something like this. And it was written by a guy who had built a, I think it was like a ho- hotel balcony or something that collapsed. Okay. And it was about how he felt about it and what led to those, like what mistakes he made. And as you know, engineers over-engineer everything that they build, right? So if you're building a bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, the idea is we have to uh, create tolerances so that the bridge can sway appropriately when necessary to to let the uh, kinetic energy go. Uh, It has to, to carry 10 times more than we ever expect it to carry and so on and so forth the same thing is true with like high rise buildings all kinds of stuff they overbuild everything okay so when the nasa engineers were getting ready to send us to the moon they had enormous technical problems so this is a, you are building for a, 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 you're, you're going to send a rocket into a place that has no atmosphere um and you've got to keep human beings alive and not cooked and not frozen, and breathing, and you got to send them to a rock that has no resources whatsoever. You have to land it, you have to get it back. Okay, very e- extraordinarily difficult to impress. When they were testing the limb, um, they tested it one time, and it almost killed Neil Armstrong. It went crazy. Never, It never worked on Earth.
0: Yeah, the simulation, the simulation on Earth, I, I, I read. I'm it
2: wrong. never worked, okay? They then sent that limb to the moon where it worked perfectly. I don't believe that an engineer would do that, that an engineer would say, okay, based on that test that almost killed Neil Armstrong, everything's cool and we're good. Um, They also had another significant problem, which is that the fuel that is used in these rockets, it's a hypergolic fuel, which destroys the, it's a one-use engine. You can never use that engine again because it's going to get wrecked after after you use it right and so uh, same same problem you're building a rocket you're going to take it to the moon you're going to land this thing on the moon somehow and then you're going to press a button to ignite those hypergolic the uh, fuel and if it doesn't work they're all going to die right and you can never test it not only can you it's it's not that you can you can it's not even theoretically possible to test, to test it because you can't go to the moon and do a test, right? We cannot create the type of uh, vacuum that is in space. We can create similar vacuums on Earth, but not near as powerful, which you can find out by, by looking up that, that information. Um, I have trouble with that. I, I have trouble thinking that engineers would work. I would think that an engineer working on this would say, we're going to kill three dudes. This is what we're going to do. Like I don't like the chances of of, of uh, su- successfully doing this uh, are very, very low. almost miraculous. And we know that that's why the Russians didn't do it. Um, the Russians, of course, you know, everybody knows about Yuri Gagarin. Um, he was allegedly the first man, um, but he was the first man that survived. right? And we know this because there were a couple of Italian ham radio operators. That we were listening into Russian transmissions, and they were they killed a number of astronauts trying to to get out there, um, and that wasn't even to go to the moon. That was just to, to go out there. It, it's so I, I don't think most people have an, any idea how difficult it is to do this stuff. Right, the only missions that have ever claimed to send human beings actually into space um, are the moon missions. All of the space shuttle missions, those are well within Earth's atmosphere, right? Those only go about 200 to 400 miles, and they have to be very careful uh, because even going up 200 miles, you have to watch out for the sun. In fact, this is true of planes. When you ride in a plane, you get essentially an x-ray whenever you ride in a plane. And there are times when the sun is highly reactive uh, that you have to be careful, and they will adjust how they fly based on that and definitely true of the space shuttle, the international space station, those sort of things. Um, space is just extraordinarily dangerous. So I'm, I am, um, I am sympathetic to anyone who is skeptical of that claim. It's not so much that I particularly say, you know, that we didn't go to the moon or whatever. Um, but it is, it it, it sort of reverses Carl Sagan's thing, right? The idea is that if you're making, uh, uh, a extremely an extraordinary claim you have to have extraordinary evidence the extraordinary claim is getting a human being into space alive and bringing them back and then and getting a human being into space alive getting them to the moon and then bringing them back so with those extraordinary claims i would expect to have extraordinary evidence and i we don't have that in my in my opinion i um Does that make sense?
0: yeah i want to divide the factor here of like there's there's a line where people go, space isn't real. And then there's a line that like, that's 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 how we're not talking about this. What we're talking about is that there's a healthy sense of skepticism because there have been some things about it that have not been reasonably explained. Um, for instance, I, I didn't know about the whole moon hoax thing created by NASA type deal. I never, it makes a lot of sense when you kind of start explaining that a little bit, but mainly cause I just looked at NASA's budget and I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Cause there's a lot of money and I'll pull this up if every, if we can show this on air as well too, but it's just, the budget is ridiculous for what they're costing for either Thrusters rocket just any parts is everything is super super expensive and we have a huge crisis where there's a homeless population. There's other things that we could be funneling that in towards so but the question that was mentioned way earlier in the beginning that was about it takes way more to fake the moon landing document wise and all this. When I go, didn't they do that with like the alien stuff for the longest time? I mean they completely just have millions of documents that say that there's no existence of UFOs and everything like that. And then within the past two years, that has completely changed our whole discussion to the point where now we're researching into UFOs and we've done a complete 180. So that argument – and I've I've heard that point and I've kind of thought about that. I was like, well, that really doesn't work anymore in today's context. But I also think like – especially if you look at like the – I, I I wouldn't say mismanaged, but I mean, the real clear people that had voicing opinions um, about either that we didn't go to the moon or that there's some things that just didn't make sense about it. I, I've looked and I will pull up a uh, thing if you guys want to see it, but it does mention what uh, Joe Green was talking about with the simulation thing. But this is from a documentary that came out. And I think it's pretty important just because the what this guy was connected with. Uh, he was, I guess, I'm just going to play it. He'd be able to explain to himself a little bit more, but to, let me know no. what you mean. Should be a picture of a cat. Did it pop up yet?
1: No, it's spinning. Oh, there it is. Okay.
3: In the 60s, Bill Casing was the head of technical publications for Rocketdyne the company that helped manufacture the Apollo rockets. Kasing, who claimed he had access to some of its top-secret documents, questioned the competence of the Apollo project.
4: I really believe that they weren't in the command capsule at launch. They uh, They did a little bit of a magician act with the astronauts. They went up the elevator, but they came down the elevator. In other words, they did not want to risk the lives of the astronauts in case the Saturn blew up.
3: An explosive claim, which Casing said the CIA tried to silence by making three attempts on his life. Like Casing, Marcus Allen, British publisher of Nexus, a magazine of alternative politics, history and science, also questions NASA's engineering capability at the time of the launches. The problem is the whole Apollo program was a complete fabrication in order to be seen to succeed in the Cold War. The myth of Apollo is what is holding NASA back from future space travel. It's a tragedy. We didn't go the first time, we can't go now, we've never been. They lied to us.
0: So I mean. Like When you start kind of like examining it from like Cold War context, which I've tried my best to learn more about the Cold War just in relation to the Kennedy assassination style thing. I mean I think we went to space 100%. I think we went to the moon, sure. But I just don't think we did it when we said we did it. I think that there was probably – like because it goes from that argument point, which is why would they – in a simulation, if there was a huge issue, why would they risk – knowingly risk three lives – by sending up a rocket with the possibility that it could explode or something bad could happen, it would make more sense to just launch a rocket. And then we have connections with Hollywood, or the government has had connections with Hollywood for a very, very long time. I mean, Stanley Kubrick's name comes up, and I don't necessarily look into the specifics of Stanley Kubrick. They could have gotten anybody to do something like that. But you look at some of that footage, the flag waving, which people mention, but also there's no stars. You know, you just see Earth there's a little bit of like some serious questions that probably should have been addressed by anybody at NASA or by anybody that might've, instead of you get someone that says it makes a claim about this in front of Buzz Aldrin and Buzz Aldrin just punches the guy right in the face. Like, of course the conspiracy like side is going to start ticking up more because now people don't really trust you. And I think with the access of the internet and so many other things, obviously there's this word disinformation and misinformation that gets thrown out there. I'm sure there's some Russian disinformation, a hundred percent, but you really start examining just very simple things you can watch with your own eyes that you there they haven't really been fully addressed and it kind of answers a bigger question of conspiracies now not relating to the kennedy assassination but just talking about the moon landing here this is more of a fun one This is one where you can kind of have a good chat about it like we're doing now. This isn't a debate. This isn't any of that. We're just talking about some things that it looks weird and then some explanations of it as well, too. And, I mean, you can probably explain away a lot of these things, but nobody who has the position of power has bothered to do that, which is the issue here.
2: Well, there is a guy who does – Richard, do you know his name? There's There's a guy who has a website which is semi-endorsed by NASA. He doesn't work for NASA, allegedly. Um, but he does answer these questions, like the no stars thing. I'm not saying that they may be good answers, they may be bad answers, but NASA does have a guy who does try to answer some of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if this is the one you're talking about. But this is the one that I reference in my article, uh, ClaviusBase.com.
2: I think I think that's a
1: yeah. yeah he's not affiliated it. with NASA. He says he's not affiliated with NASA. You know, um, yeah. but it goes. It's the most in-depth website that was devoted to this from the start, and it's designed totally to deal with every single issue. And I reference. I only went into one specific uh, area, the the only one I think you need to do, to prove we went to the moon. That's the gravity issue. And he does an excellent job with that. But he does an excellent job with the photos. He does an excellent job with with uh, the whole, the whole bit. Now, I'm not saying that all of it's correct because it's the straight story of how we went to the moon. It's the NASA story of how we went to the moon. Uh, I think we're we're all in agreement that there's some fishy sides to this. Uh, and and budget wise, I don't think he gets into budget stuff except for the straight you know official story of the budget. But the whole thing about budgets, you know, they're talking, they're they're dealing with it in Congress. Um, and they're always threatening to it's going to shut down the government. But this is all nonsense. There is, you know, where's the how how many trillions went missing? Where is that? You know, there is a there is a a black budget. We have no idea. We have no zero bupkis idea how much money that is. Some people. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz have delved into that, made some good arguments. Richard Dolan has uh, has credited her and talked about it. But, you know, if we're talking about a secret space program, and Dolan, Richard Dolan, who's, I think, the best historian on the whole UFO uh, issue, um, he's written like, he's he's on the third volume now of uh, UFOs in the National Security State, uh, like an encyclopedic uh, you know, project that he's doing. And he's doing it in a perfectly scholarly way too. And he posits a breakaway civilization. It, it goes to that level. And if we're talking about, if, if we're just talking about the secret space program, which we are, because even if you go with NASA's story that they eventually declassified, there's a NOVA episode that I referenced uh, about sending spies into space in the mid 60s to photograph, you know, Russia was doing it, we were doing it, we had no idea it was happening. You know, it was top secret. Now what's the military done since then? <laughs> you know, we hear about what NASA is doing, they pretend to be public, but they do plenty of secret stuff, even straight and narrow secret stuff, but they're doing secret stuff that's out there. Um, let's get this out of the way, I wanted to, I, I think when I was talking to Robbie about this, you, Robbie said that, you said that you have experienced a UFO, you think, uh, but Joe, you've you've never like solidly seen something right before your eyes that you know. Yeah. So I have twice. So my perspective is totally different. In fact, that was the moment that I realized that there's stuff going on that we're not being told about. <laughs> and you ne- you don't see the world the same ever again after that. I do not have the skepticism I don't I don't have the luxury of skepticism. That's the way I put it in the article. Um once you've seen one of these things right in front of your face, and you know it's real, like like we're watching this now. Um I mean, but see, you guys you guys could be deep fakes now, but see, I know my tripod is real, I know my phone is real, I know this chair is is real As, as far, we won't get into the philosophy of reality, but there are things that you count on as real, like this chair. And when you see something like that in front of your face and you know, you know you're know, you not dreaming, you're not hallucinating, then your perspective changes and you know that there are stuff going on. Uh, there's, a, there's a great line at the end of, of the movie Diner. Never seen Diner? Yeah, at the end of it, uh, uh, one of the characters says to another one, You ever get the idea that there's stuff going on that we don't know anything about? <laughs> yes, every every day of my life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So every,
2: everyone should watch a diner.
1: So, yeah. Barry oh, Levinson, and- terrific oh yeah everyone should watch diner it's,
0: well, you mentioned gravity but can when they returned um when they landed in the water and they got picked back up they walked off like it was nothing that like they hadn't been in zero gravity like they were just completely fine but i think in, in the apollo 13 one there's a there's another moon mission that happened where the astronauts had to be carried out so to me it's just interesting and, and the time wasn't that different but there their fluctuation with gravity there you know they didn't have to adjust when they came back after the very first moon landing um and i can i'll play the conference video here in a little bit um, which also makes it a little bit more suspicious how their attitudes are completely different like you you were just in space like you should be excited like i would be shitting my pants and drinking champagne and just be having a jolly day like show me some boobies i don't know but there wasn't any of that there was this awkward like what's the script in the line that i have to say you know and then even like the hand gestures and the movements of everybody is just a little bit awkward like you just went to space like America, apple pie America is what you should be feeling right now. And that doesn't, that's not what I'm picking up from this. And I know you can be like, oh, that's, you know, that's just hearsay. It's like, well, look at it. You can, we'll, we'll watch it and you'll see that there's just a little bit something off. Like, I feel like you'd be a little bit more jollier um than the way that they were asking.
1: Uh, see the interviews with William Shatner after he went up in right. He was
2: He was also depressed. Yeah. Well,
1: no. Well, no, he was he was the actor who went up Robbie you, you refer to the movie Apollo 13 yeah they show stuff in the movie that they didn't even film well they didn't publicly film taking them out of the capsule uh, uh, also the Russian astronauts are always they have film of them being carried out they land on the ground uh, but uh, gravity wise there's a t- there's a period of adjust adjustment um, you know look at the uh, space station astronauts who are up there for, you know, weeks, months, years. Uh, and they have, they the have bone
2: density up. loss. Right I mean, it, it, it does look like long-term. We we are not built to be in outer space. And, and these guys that we're talking about, I mean, technically they're past the Kármán line, but they're not what most people think of as being outer space. Cause again, it's like 200 miles up. It's not, well, you get, like, the bends, apparently.
1: Total agreement there. I'm not sure about uh, that. I hadn't heard that.
0: Well, they're the supposed way. to go in one of those chambers to, like, decompress or whatever it is or adjust. Um, much like when you're scuba diving, you get, like, the bends if you go up too fast. That's kind of what they have to do in, in a similar situation. It's kind of like that their bones have to adjust.
1: Yeah, we're not built to be in space. We're not built to live on the moon. We're not built to live on Mars. I don't see that happening. You You, you listen carefully to the, ex- the the real experts, the best people who know this stuff, and they'll like throw in there, they'll be talking about, oh, we're going to Mars, we're going to the moon, we're going to go moon first and then go to Mars. They'll throw in there, yeah, but we, we have no idea how to live on Mars. We don't know physically if we can even do it. And that's when they're being honest. But Because physically, you know, even if we get there, it's going to be like Jamestown. They're all going to die. You know, there are microbes. There's no way you can convince me there aren't microbes on Mars. There's micro microbes in the Antarctic. And I tell people who say, oh, I'm gonna volunteer and I'm gonna go and live on Mars. I say, you know what, spend a year in Antarctica and then come back and tell me can live on Mars. Because <laughs> the, the coldest day in Antarctica is the hottest day at the equator on Mars. I mean, if you can if you can live in isolation in a building and with gear when you go outside in antarctica uh for a year then i'll be convinced that you will volunteer to go to. Military.
0: well the way that they train people now is they go to there's a base in hawaii where they just take people onto these little camps where it's like a three or four different people um and everyone's got like a specific thing to them it was in the movie or not movie uh tv show space force but it is a real thing like they have a psychologist there, they try and change out the operators, whoever would play Houston, the ground office that talks to these people. They try and change them out either every two weeks or every three weeks, um, just so you don't get like, I don't know, some type of connection or something like that with the person there. It's a weird way that how they do this, but it's trying to see if someone could last and be able to if they get sent up in space. Would they go crazy? And citizens aren't just they're not ready for that. They're not able to function. I mean, going to a hotel sounds nice, but then you realize, holy shit, I'm in space. Like there's nothingness, there's nothingness upon endless nothingness that is expanding into more endless nothingness. Like that can drive a person up the wall. And, you know, there's, I mean, I don't, I think the future technology would be for like digital children, which is like just our AI or whatever we want to send up into space that goes on non-man shuttles, basically, you know, to go out into the world. And I've I've talked to scientists and researchers about that before, but the idea of the human civilization expanding out. I just don't really see that as a possibility, especially for extended period of time. As um, There's a movie called Boy from Mars, if you've ever heard of it. Um, Basically, a colony happens on another planet, Mars, and there's a child that's born on Mars. Well, he's only adjusted to that climate. His body has, like Superman, when he comes to Earth and he's lived and he's got used to the conditions here, and when he goes back home to Earth, where he's never been before he just dies after like a month because his body couldn't adjust to the different the stronger gravity and different conditions and everything of that sort so it's just a weird discussion but it's interesting how like there's a lot of research now and talks about space colonies and things of this sort um even the you know the whole weaponization of space as well too which is the only reason i think that we're never going to actually fully have hotels and you know, peace on other planets is because we're already thinking about weaponizing it. I mean, for the longest time, they tried to, bl- or there was an idea of blowing up the moon with a nuclear weapon just to show how badass we were. And then someone was like, "Hey, we can't that do that." Was, it's that was one research.
2: That was one paper. That was one scientist who floated that idea. I don't know that that ever actually caught traction anywhere. But, uh, uh, but uh, you, you, um, you know, that's funny you bring that up. Uh, but that was H.G. Wells the war of the worlds, that is what happens, is that the aliens come down, they start conquering us, but they don't realize that the atmosphere is slowly killing them, and eventually they all die because they, they were not prepared for the conditions. So I think that's a relevant point, although um, I think it's more akin to when people tell me or I read that they're going to live on Mars, I would say a comparable claim would be I'm going to be able to live in lava. Okay. So if somebody came to you and said, I built this, this suit, and, uh, and I've, I figured out how this material, and I'm going to put a house in lava, and I'm going to live in the lava in my suit, it's like, is there – what kind of evidence would you need to believe that that is even possible? Um, because I, I, th- I think it's totally impossible. I think living on Mars is totally impossible.
1: Have you yeah. seen The Core? There's a movie called The Core. <laughs> I've,
2: I've heard it. I know what it is. I never saw it.
1: I love that movie. It's very well done. It's a very well produced movie. They live in lava. Um, But you're at the very least, at the very least, it's like they're saying, I could have survived the first winter in Jamestown. At the very least. Yeah, good luck with that. At the very least,
2: yeah. There's another thing too, and and I didn't didn't know this until I saw a NASA um, TED Talk. About the rocket equation, it was called the tyranny of the rocket equation. I would recommend anybody watch it. It's really interesting, um, because I knew when I was a kid, and I think most people know, that in order to get off the Earth, you have to go eight miles per second, right? or seven miles per second, eight kilometers per second, I think is. What it is. Um, but I remember I think it was in a Michael Crichton picture or something when I was a kid that I saw, but seven miles per second, that's what you get. But what I did not realize is that if you're, you're trying to get somewhere. It's even worse than that. So when they were going into the moon, it's not seven miles per second. It's nine or whatever it is, 10. Uh, and if you're trying to get to Mars, it's an exponent because you are you're to get off the earth to go to Mars. And like, it's, it's already impossible. And that's basically, that was, the guy is representative of NASA. You'll see him all over the place. I can't think of his name right now. Um, he looks like a saddle. He
0: looks like a saddle. I'm not sure. Maybe. He, he's but the, he, he pops his up face is, a is the videos. definition of leather. I can tell you that. Like, he needs to put on sunscreen. <laughs>
1: I, I don't, I I don't, I don't recall notes. that.
2: But, um, but, uh, but anyway, he, so, and he's saying, like, you kids, you need to figure out how we can do this without rockets. Because we're, we are hitting up against a wall we in terms of cuz the the problem is always you got to build a rocket powerful enough to get you off planet light enough so that you can have some kind of payload you can put people on there or something um and you're always having to do these incredible you know you, you have to you adjust it by just a tiny bit and it means the rocket blows up or it never goes anywhere and it gets even worse the further out you're trying to go
1: we just had one blow up here just a few miles from us yeah all the Elon time.
2: and that, and to me, that makes sense. So uh, when the twenty first century began, uh, the guy, the virgin guy, Richard, whatever his name is, uh, was trying to start uh, the thing, and then Elon Musk is also trying to do this like we're gonna we're gonna make it like Disneyland. You get on a rocket, you go and it's the same thing. All they're really trying to do is get into low Earth orbit, and they blow up rockets every week. you know they they have not had a ton of success. And they're not trying to get to the moon yet; they're just trying to get into low Earth or orbit. And they're showing how difficult it is to do these things. They hardly ever get over the Carmen line. Yeah.
1: So far, it's an expensive roller coaster ride. These little tourist trips. Uh, Richard yeah. Garriott. Richard Garriott. The game. Richard creator. Garriott. Richard Garriott. Well, I don't know if that's there's Richard Branson who did Virgin. Uh, I was
2: thinking of Branson. Richard Garriott is
1: ultimate. Richard Garriott actually went up in a Soyuz and went into orbit. Uh, He got a better ride than the tourists or than the celebrities that are going up and down. That's a roller coaster ride. That's an amusement park ride, a fancy, expensive amusement park ride. That's all it is.
0: So what's the explanation for losing the technology to go back to the moon?
1: Oh, man, you had to have lived through the, the... downturn in the aerospace industry in the 70s there's a lot of movies about there's gidget movies about it you know there's like love boat episodes about all the aerospace engineers that lost their jobs in the 70s after we stopped going to the moon uh they built an in a a huge uh infrastructure and bureaucracy and then it all went away and i think it's more political than anything else but also You could get into so much deep stuff here. Um,
0: Was Kennedy the only one pressing to go to the moon? Because it seems like um, there's a – I mean, I could play a phone call of Richard Nixon congratulating the astronauts um, for landing on the moon. So to me, that's just interesting, which is kind of
1: like – von Braun was convinced, yeah. So he convinced Kennedy. Warner
0: von Braun convinced Kennedy?
1: von Braun was the guy, but he was the guy to go to. He was the guy saying we can go to the moon. He, you know, in in the late 50s, you know, Walt Disney did a whole thing. They introduced him to the public and gave him a platform to explain how we're, how we can go to the moon. Uh, Kennedy saw this as a way, you know, the final frontier, uh, hope, get everybody involved, feel good about our government, uh, and you got to have a moonshot. They they still, that's still an umbrella term today. You're going to cure cancer? That's the moonshot politics, moonshot politics. And that's a tribute to Kennedy. Kennedy was realistic. You know, he found out he did enough homework to realize this really is possible. We just need the will to do it. Uh, He didn't know the whole background of it. Von Braun probably did know uh, some of the secret technical issues. And so he knew we could go to the moon he knew he could convince kennedy we could go to the moon and hide the secret side of it
0: yeah but if that would have like blown up like literally that would have bounced on kennedy and then kennedy would have been in a lot of shit so he just didn't care about the ramifications warner von brown would have been probably exempt from that
2: well i mean but that's not how you're selling it right you're selling we're making history right we're we're, take, we're doing this big thing and it also relates to i think uh, and it's we're going to I'm only going to take a one minute detour here. But one of the things um, that will is is an instant help for any economy are large scale work projects. Right. So, like for example, in Nazi Germany, right? Hjalmar Schacht, who had worked for JP Morgan, got some money together and said, We're going to do public work projects. We're going to make the Audubon. And we're going to make the Volkswagen, right, the people's car, and it worked. Like it does stimulate the economy. You have this thing. We're going to build this this road, and it's going to you can go any speed you want on it, and we put people to work, and they're also building infrastructure. So it's the same thing. Like when you're selling the idea of going to space, it's like, well, we're, you know, it's it's the the last frontier. We're going to build this thing. We're going to give people a lot of jobs. A lot of those jobs are going to be in Texas, which is. Gets in the LBJ stuff, but, um, and uh, and so it puts people to work, and it also gives us this thing that we are all focused on doing. We can inspire the hearts and minds of everybody with this project. So that's how you sell it. I mean, are people going to die? Probably, like all, you know, every time uh, Vasco da Gama or somebody got on a boat and didn't know where the hell they were going on a ship, a lot of people died. That's just such as the nature of expansion um so it's not that surprising that people would die in the, in the course of, of the moon landing and it's actually one of the things that i'm surprised about because i would expect that the first attempt at putting people on the moon would result in everybody dying you know because it's, it's, it's a ridiculously hard thing we're trying to do yeah you know. do you think that It's
0: kind of like that long-term goal thing was trying to a distraction to get people's mind off the political climate of the time, a lot of the issues that were going on. I mean you got the Vietnam War that was going on, and then you had a bunch of things that were going on around that time period where I just feel like a lot of the public probably had doubt already about the government, and this was like how I bring up the morale part.
2: No, no, and and this is shown in Gallup polls. um, The public distrust of government begins more or less with the Kennedy assassination and it increases with Vietnam. Yeah.
1: No, it begins with the publication of the Warren Report. The chart continues up after LBJ takes over, it continues up for the rest of that year. Warren Report comes out. Three weeks later, they take a poll again. Precipitous decline that never, never recovered.
0: That's not what what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that-
2: but it, but you, but that's what Richard's trying to explain to you is that people, when we assume, like almost everybody on on the planet, whether they believe in quote unquote conspiracies or not, are deeply cynical about our government. Right? They weren't like that before. It wasn't like that. So they, it's not that you're dreaming up this thing to distract the public. I, I think Kennedy means it you know, we're going to go do the thing, not because it is easy, but because it is hard, right? Like he believes in that. And that is a thing that makes sense for America to do because this is where, you know, this is what we do. We're Americans, we roll up our sleeves, we do that, right? So he's buying into that stuff. It's things that we would assume are propaganda now that is not the case. That starts with the Kennedy assassination and more specifically, as Richard said, with the Warren Report.
0: Yeah, I don't think Kennedy was in on like this idea of just uniting the public on something. I meant like the, the other establishment parts, what I would metaphorically probably hint at it, the deep state um rolling with it as well, too. I mean, I think the president has a lot of power to really spark up stuff, but I just think that to get the whole government to follow suit in that aspect of just building, you know, trying to focus on getting on the moon first. You know, I, I would think that there just be since there's a lot of other espionage operations that are going on in other countries. Um, that we found out about later, I feel like that that would be more of their focus. Um, but I doubt the president knew about some of those things. Uh, I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. It just seems like more of like you need to just bread and circus is the whole metaphor here. You know, you need that kind of little bit of a thing. I think Kennedy was 100 percent sold on the idea of going to space. I heard him in his debates versus Nixon. I think that was the first time anybody has really talked like that ever. And I think that aired and or ushered in a new era of thinking for a lot of people. Um but for the establishment, I mean, I just look at that like Kennedy was a good choice because he could distract the public while everyone's else working in the backworks. I mean, that might be my, like I said, my deep state brain moving a little bit, but I just think it makes a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, there were, there were the boys in the woodwork. They were always there, the covert ops, the deep state. Uh, they only got pissed off, though, when Kennedy said, we're going to cooperate with the Soviets for a joint moon mission. You know, we're going to make this a global thing, not a U.S. versus the U.S.S.R. thing. That's when they got pissed off. Uh, That just added to their anger against Kennedy. Uh, This was like November 13th when when he said this. And this around the time that uh, first 10 or so days of November, the first half of November, end of the first half of November, 63, Kennedy actually signs, he writes a letter to the CIA and says, you know send all of our ufo files to soviet union they're going to send us theirs we're going to share this info oh man and proudy told us how pissed off everybody got about it yeah you you really
2: have to put yourself kind of back in the mindset of the people at that time you know so the idea is we're going to defeat the communists and there were a lot of people in our own government and that worked at the Pentagon, who thought Kennedy was a communist, and started to say so openly. And we know that because of reports that came out later. Um, Martin Luther King supposedly was a communist, funded by the Russians and then later by the Chinese. Right? They're communists. They are not. They're not with us. They're not on the team. So that stuff is going on in the background. The American people in general they are not attuned to that yet. It's before. It's because of the Kennedy assassination that people start paying attention to everything else that's going on.
1: We had a small period of relief from it when the Beatles came to America. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we were ready. Man, Beatlemania, it hasn't happened since because we we spent a couple of months there totally, you know, in mourning and man we were ready to party but by, by february 9th and that had a lot to do with Beatlemania. mania i'm convinced hmm. I, I, was I was there i was there i was sitting really? on the floor yeah. in front of the tv and watched the beatles on Ed stone <laughs> well, were they, were day they day playing love me do oh yeah uh they to a seven year to a, i was uh i had just turned eight the day before Best birthday weekend ever to this day. I got a Superman suit on Saturday for my birthday. I was a Superman <laughs> fanatic. <I> got a <laughs> Superman suit and I saw the Beatles on its Sullivan. But they were just the floppy hair guys, you know, oh, look at the weird hair. You know, to a set to an eight year old, that's all it was. And oh, why are those girls screaming? You know. Oh, if I had been like, but if I had been like, you know, even five, six years older. I would have been like everybody else. Oh, I gotta grow my hair, I gotta get a guitar. That's how you get the chicks. That's what happened. But everybody's ready to party, and that was the distraction from the Kennedy assassination. but it was temporary, because it led to the whole distrust of government that Vietnam, when Vietnam comes along and right. Gulf of Tonkin,
0: We're drifting a little bit from the space topic, so I'm just going to rip us back in here real quick. But did they ever (laughs) film that actual, like the footage, the footage of the whole space thing, landing on the moon and all that? Was that actually broadcasted to people? Because there's an interview with Buzz Aldrin when he's on Conan, and Conan was introducing with a question, which was just, I remember seeing, much like everyone probably did, you guys land on the moon. And Buzz Aldrin, no, you didn't. You saw an animation. And he says that, which is just like, what is what does he mean by he saw an animation?
1: That's true. I watched all the coverage. If I had had a mock-up of the command module, I would have been in that command module. There was a kid who did that. His dad built him one in the basement, and he spent the entire mission in the command module in the basement with the astronauts following their schedule, and I would have done that too. But I watched ev- as much as I possibly could on the TV. And yeah. They, they're not prepared to show them uh, on TV, live TV on the moon. They had a little camera that was on one of the legs that managed to get it working and it showed Armstrong, fuzzy image, saying the first words. And, but I, even I had forgotten about this. The up in the window, shooting out the window of the limb, was a 16 millimeter and it photographed the entire EVA. Uh, you see it today and it's in fast motion because they wanted to extend it as long as they could and get as much footage. Uh, there are advantages to having it in fast motion because I was be able to make a point about that in terms of gravity. But it documented the one-six gravity and moving around in it and you can't fake that. And nobody, Bill Cooper, uh, what was his book, The uh, Riders on the Pale Horse or something?
2: Uh, Behold the um, Pale Horse. Yeah, Behold
1: the pale, pale Horse. Bill Cooper tried to make the case that um, they faked the gravity there, but you can't fake the gravity. Um, you can't fake one six gravity. You can temporarily, like they, like, uh, like they did in uh, Apollo 13, the movie, you can fake zero G for a few seconds with a parabola jet. Um, but for hour for three hours of one sixth gravity, you can't do it. So that footage alone, and it's it's very good quality footage, it's high definition. You can find it on YouTube. I link to it in the article. Uh, it's it's one six they're doing the work in one sixth gravity. Uh, and I and I give the analogy of being an animator. Animators uh, they don't just draw in two dimensions, they don't just uh draw in three dimensions they don't understand they don't just understand things in two dimensions or three dimensions like a sculptor does they understand things in the three dim- three space dimensions and time because you have to understand motion to do animation and you have to so make it look you know believable and there's a thing called secondary motion and if you if you have created secondary motion in the job being paid to do it uh, and you have experience doing it uh, you understand, you you see it everywhere. You can see it, you can see se- secondary motion. Like I move my head, see my hair, the hair is the secondary motion. You have to animate that. On the moon, you see them moving their arms and legs, right? You see them grabbing stuff and moving that around. That's, their muscles are geared towards 1G, Earth's 1G. So that's normal speed. But they take something and they toss it. They throw it or they kick something or they fall themselves. That's not 1G, and there's no way you can fake that. There it looks like slow motion, but not everything is slow motion. If everything was slow, you know, they try to make the argument that, oh yeah, they faked one six G just by doing it in slow motion. No, because that, you know, their motions are normal speed while motions relying on gravity are slow. One, six g slow. That's impossible. Oh, let me correct myself. I made the argument in the article. It's not impossible, but uh, it's it's easier to go to the moon and photograph it than it is to fake it on a sound stage. Uh, I'm talking about uh, you know recreating uh, crashed UFO technology and using that. use anti-gravity is a thing. Uh, I, I Referenced the book, The Hunt for Zero Point. If you haven't read it, get The Hunt for Zero Point by Nick Cook. And it's he was a he was a Jane's Defense Weekly journalist. He was like a straight arrow journalist. And uh, some buddies of his started like giving him articles from the fifties about hey, what is all this talk about zero point technology? You're into all this defense stuff, you know? So he got curious and he looked into it. He dug deep and wrote a book about it and he discovered that yeah uh and sometime like 57 58 (laughs) there was a breakthrough in um anti-gravity research and only after that did things go secret like there's all these articles in all the science journals and all the newspapers people talking oh we're going to get zero gravity the jetsons and all this and then all of a sudden nothing after the breakthrough and he makes a convincing, very convincing, straight journalistic argument for it. Uh, and he has not, you know, turned that into a circus or anything. He stayed par- fairly straight over the years. He did a, a couple of new YouTube videos a few years ago and then got away from that again. But um, it's good it's a good story. And um, you would have to use that technology. You'd have to use that secret technology on a sound stage, and you'd have to do it for hours and it'll have to affect everything on the soundstage. I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but why do it if you could just get to the moon and do it?
0: How? <laughs> it um, but what about the flag waving?
1: It does wave. It waves when they're touching it, and that's secondary motion again. Uh, the, the curves in it, they had it on a wire because they needed it to stick out for photographs. Uh, the only way to make it stick out you know, if you don't make it stick out, you're in a vacuum. It's just going to be, like, solid straight down and, like, compressed. Like, uh, so they had to figure out a way to make it look like a flag. You know, it's a, it's on wires, and you can tell that when, when they're, like, putting the pole or handling the pole, you know, those wires are shaking, and the waves in there because they didn't straighten it completely out. They didn't make it out of steel or cardboard or anything or plexiglass. They... Uh, they made it. It was a cloth flag. It was a flag as an official flag. And there are there's a code of there's a flag code. And if you don't follow the flag code to the letter, it's not a flag. It's not a U.S. flag. That's why you can get away with wearing shirts that look like the American flag. You can't, according to the flag code, you cannot wear the American flag as apparel. But people who wear the pattern on a shirt, that's not the flag. That's OK. So anyway, so it was a real flag. But they had to put wires in, the, in, the, in it, throughout it, to make it stick out for photographs.
0: What about when they landed? Why Why was, Why was? didn't we see dust?
1: Well, you, you look at the footage out the window, uh, when Armstrong says we're picking up dust. That's what dust does when you're blasting it with a thrust.
0: Yeah, but there was no dust in the video that spread. They even talk about that as well, too, and they made an excuse saying that... Um... It was because they had shut off the thrusters or put it to such a low point that when it hit, it just barely tapped and landed. And they said you can even see that there is a little small print, but it doesn't really look like that. Like, you can take a leaf blower and blow dirt, and dirt will spread all around. But that wasn't like that with this.
1: I forget the exact depth, but it was only like a couple inches, three inches of of fine dust over the uh, harder ground. and um they got dust all over their equipment they got dust all over their uniforms they dragged that dust back into the limb with them
0: yeah and that's surprising too like the very first time you're going to the moon and you don't have a your suit can account for all the dust particles and rocks or anything like that that could be in space that could puncture a hole or do anything of that sort
1: yeah they didn't know
2: oh i was just going to say i they there, there are uh, models even in the '50s to try and account for that. There were uh, suits built into the ship that you, you would get into, and you would walk, but it would still be connected, and that way you wouldn't bring in dust and other things and all these uh, stuff to the to the uh, capsule. So that is, a, I mean, that is a real issue. It was an issue that they thought about. They did not want to get dust into the capsule. And then, I mean, so if they were there, then they definitely did.
1: They did. Yeah. Well, that's known. It's known that that was a, and it was, a, it continued to be a problem. Continued to be a problem. You look at the later, you look at Apollo 17, you know, 15, 16, 17. They're like, their uniforms are dirty. They get like dust. Off. It sticks to them. Did you
0: guys did Did you guys want to see um the panel thing? Sure. The Apollo. Yeah, I've
2: seen that footage. You could probably just run it for a minute or so. Yeah, no, I'm it lasts sure. like thirty
0: Richard, minutes long. We're not playing the whole thing.
2: Yeah. Give me one second,
0: and I'll pull that up right there for you, gentlemen. Have you ever seen this, Richard? It's yeah. the Apollo Conference.
1: Probably, but I don't know yet.
0: Well. This is when oh, yeah, I yeah, say,
1: seen, I know what you're talking about. I've seen this. Yeah.
0: This is when hmm. I say that body language looks a little
2: bit funky. Stars? I don't recall seeing any stars. That one. Yeah, but it's ten minutes.
0: And I don't know what part he says the stars part. But if you just watch it for a minute, you'll see that what we're talking about the awkwardness. And I hope it's going to pull up on you know when it starts sharing on your screen. Hey
4: to the limb everything which I say to the ground, and vice versa. All the LM communications uh, go to Houston where they're turned around immediately and sent back up to me, so that uh, they hear everything I say uh, within five seconds of the time I say it, and, and the reverse is also true. Now the S-band is is uh, operable anytime I am within line of sight of the Earth, not necessarily the, the limb, you see, so that uh, out of each two-hour revolution, uh, uh, roughly 60% of the time I am in contact with the ground and therefore I am in contact with the limb. In regard to seeing them, uh, I'm afraid my eyesight's not quite that good. They're they're too small uh, to be seen from an altitude of 60 miles. There is uh, a possibility, and we intend to explore it further, that uh, the limb itself will be visible from the command module. The uh, The flat sides of the rim, uh, being made of a mylar substance which reflects sunlight, gives us hope that we uh, that I'll be able to see a flash of light uh, at precisely the proper sun angles when I am nearly overhead. And this, uh, of course, remains to be seen. I have a question for Mike Collins. Uh, What will the uh, command module pilot be doing while the commander and the limb pilot are on the lunar surface? Will you be doing any special experiments of any type or not? While you're up there by yourself, this is while they're on the lunar surface. I, I heard.
1: Yeah, that this
2: is, is not the. Uh, this is, is not when they came uh, back.
1: Are there, are there any... Oh,
2: this is before.
1: Before, yeah.
2: I see. Yeah, this myself is before. Like this years. is not after they came back because that one is. It, don't don't worry about it. It's. But I think most people who are interested in this topic will have seen it. It's they're they're, it looks like awake. like they're very somber, and they're answering the questions very quietly, and it does not have the what you would assume would be a certain degree of enthusiasm having done something that nobody else has done. Um, and they do have that question well, What's that?
1: Once again, it's not a movie. These are not actors. These are fighter pilots. These are fighter pilots. Uh, show me an instance where fighter pilots get dramatic. Uh, it doesn't happen. Uh, submarine commanders (laughs) you know in the military that you know normal airline pilots uh air traffic controllers they don't get excited and these guys you have to remember these guys they've done this a thousand times maybe ten thousand times in simulation uh that's and things came up that they weren't prepared for they had to they had to quickly figure out that the computer was uh Rebooting or something as they were trying to land on the limb. So, this, this is the one.
5: One, we had house cleaning to perform uh, food packages, flight plans, and uh, all the items that we'd used in the previous descent to be stowed out of the way and prior to depressurizing the, the lunar module. Uh, it took longer to depressurize the lunar module than we had anticipated and it also took longer to get the cooling units in our backpacks uh, operating than than we had expected in some in substance it took us approximately an hour longer to get ready than than, than we would that, than we had predicted When when we actually descended the ladder, it it was found to be very much like the lunar gravity simulations we had performed here on Earth. No difficulty was was encountered in in descending the ladder. The last step was about three and a half feet from the surface uh, and uh, we're somewhat concerned that. Uh, we might have difficulty in, in re-entering the limb at the end of our activity period, so we practiced, the, practiced that before doing
1: uh, the exercise. Their moods definitely breathing.
0: changed from when the one I just played a minute ago to that one.
1: Not much.
2: I mean, that's the thing, though. There are alternative explanations. Richard provided one, and I mean, there could you know that's why I don't I don't really like doing, you know, it's like watch this video and tell me what you think i mean who knows i mean there could be a hundred thousand explanations of why i agree in general that it looks peculiar because they're not even remotely excited about relating their experience but as richard said maybe because they're in the military they yeah um i think some of the other things are a little more interesting uh, the the oddities like you brought up Buzz Aldrin, who does seem to be kind of an odd bird in general. But you know, do you think that's because of the space Masonic, stuff? Though, well, I don't know. But they they were really he's really into Freemasonry, as what? were most of the astronauts. He's suing he, his kids right now. Sonic ritual on the moon.
1: He did a he, he did a little, little weird thing. things. He took a little symbol with him, and he did a little prayer i
2: call
1: it yeah you
0: know but we well, ended up suing his kids because i think his kids you probably to, seen
2: like... the the photograph if
0: you're on a delay joe just letting you know like, put him in a...
2: oh okay i'm sorry um the uh, photograph of the three astronauts sort of doing this prayerful thing with the pyramid may have seen that there's a lot of there's a lot of, and there's in a lot of that stuff is talked about in a book that I don't care for that much. Uh, but it's uh, Richard Hoagland wrote a book called Dark Mission with uh, he wrote it with somebody else. Um, and I Hoagland, half of what he says seems to be disinfo. But there's a passage in his book Dark Mission that talks about all of the different symbolism that's involved in the Apollo missions. Right, they all have these names that reflect ancient uh, religions and the fact that they all seem to be Masonic for some reason. Now, whether that's good or bad or whatever, but it is—it's peculiar.
1: And if that's true, Artemis, the current mission is continuing that.
0: Yeah, because Artemis is a Artemis is a Greek god, and Apollo is a Greek god.
1: Uh, Artemis is the sister of Apollo.
0: Yeah, no, the huntress
1: by uh by a uh, illegitimate birth.
0: But is that just because that has the whole Operation Paperclip background of the space program? Like there is those, that weird connection that is kind of shocking for a lot of people when that's a lot of the ritualistic stuff that goes on with some of the Nazis. Um, so I'm just curious. I mean, the
2: Nazis ran the space program. So it shouldn't be surprising that we would see Nazi iconography in NASA uh, because it's not just Werner von Braun. There was a bunch of people there are Nazi scientists that were sorry. My cat is really active today. Uh, That's, not easy,
1: That's not Izzy. That's not <laughs> Izzy.
2: She's a she's a new kitten that we have. Right. Right. And therefore. Here, baby, she needs a little more attention. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, the, the Nazi influence in NASA and the Pentagon in general cannot be ignored for
1: sure. Well, the yeah, because. You can argue that the Nazis started the space program.
2: Absolutely. Well,
0: Warner Von Braun used to work at a rocket facility and he would hang the five slowest Jews in front of his
2: rocket facility. Penemunda. Yeah. Yeah. Penemunda.
1: And, uh, but you know, Von Braun, once again, Von Braun was the guy, you know, he's the guy who knew how to build a rocket and make it work. And he's the one that had the vision to take those rockets as the way of getting into space. Uh, that all started with the Nazis at Penamunda. Why didn't he ever Hitler. bother
0: to sign up to be launched into space?
1: Um, well, I you mean, know. I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. I mean, would you?
0: I would expect that. <laughs> you if you got... spend half your time thinking about space and the ways to get there. I would think that you would want to, once so a one one works or two works you'd be like hey sign me up for the next craft out there i'd like to go see what's up there
1: he wasn't cracking the rocks at penamunda either you know he wanted to run the show he didn't want to risk his life beyond what was necessary uh you know there there are other people who can do that you can get a test pilot for that you can get a monkey you can get a dog for that no that's nazi thinking
0: do you think um that we should have accepted the Nazi's research and Wernher von Braun's help, or do you think we should have done it in a different way where we did it with our own scientists? It's a, it's a tough question, but I it, I know it's a weird one, but it's just one you really
2: got to think about where it's like well, kind of like... Asking, um, you're asking
1: two guys... I, I would not
2: have accepted... Uh, abs- I, at the end of World War II, I've got to be honest, I'm I'm sending them all to nuremberg like i don't i'm not making deals with any of these like i, I there are no ex-nazis okay for me
1: uh, yeah for me um, either so for me there's either. No, gonna,
2: yeah there's, there's no there's no way in hell
1: i'm gonna say to, to robbie that's
2: a deal with the
3: devil yeah
0: well that's what that's what kind of my my main question there is is that i mean i wouldn't i don't know because at, at that point you really look at what it was i mean you can't take back what they did and if you're going to use this person's advances you know, to help your betterment of like, I mean, you got to look at how they're thinking about every country has a gunpoint to each other's head. So we got to get to the moon first or this type of aspect of things. But yeah, it's that it's it's a devil's bargain there because, I mean, it doesn't look good. Um, but also we know that there's a lot of things that break the Nuremberg code that the United States has been at fault for after Nuremberg trials had happened. And from what I've heard from a guy who did a documentary called Acres of Skin about um, Ohio Penitentiary and like what they were doing to prisoners over there. Apparently the Nuremberg trials or the, that code was only supposed to be for like Germany and like the Nazis. Everyone else followed suit because they thought this is what everybody is going to be a new established rules. And that's how the United States gets out of some of their unethical procedures. Um, that's why we have a human rights eth- ethics and oversight committee as well, too. But there's a lot of things where it's kind of like the legal speak, like how they have in documents that kind of like, oh, well, we actually technically don't fall under that category, which is like. I mean I think that's the devil's bargain aspect things, which is you accepted the help of these Nazis and the work of these Nazis instead of being like, no, you're all bad, and we're not going to be connected with you in any way to the point where now it's just became – yeah, it's something we really don't talk about.
1: I totally agree with with Joe. Everybody goes to prison. Everybody gets tried at Nuremberg. Nobody gets off. Uh, John J. McCloy let him off. Uh, I think uh, I think Warren himself has something to do with the Nuremberg trials. You know it's it's all blended together once you get to the Warren Commission. Um, and it's the it's the foundation of the CIA. They brought Nazis over they, the, the org, they brought Hitler's top spy network over here to show us how to create the CIA. Uh, there, that's all you need to know right there. So everything that's happened since, you know, and they, then they kept all that quiet. You know, we we know about it, but they still play it down. They play it down big time. You know, they get confronted about it. Even people would confront Wernher von Braun. There's footage out there of him being confronted by reporters about his Nazi past. And he just expertly plays it down. He, that was scripted and he, he played it perfectly. Uh, that he, well, some of the biggest
0: know, oil people in the world were connected to like some type of Nazi connection or something like that, like a Nazi friend.
1: And, and you know what? They still are. And that's I see that as the fundamental part of our problem, which is why you will always find in these podcasts with me a white rose. I want to send them the message: I am the white rose resistance. And you can guillotine me, you can do whatever, but I'm not gonna. I will not stay quiet. Sophie Shoal, I will not we will not stay quiet. We are your enemies. If you are in the legacy of of the of Project Paperclip, I am your enemy.
0: But what about? like just tearing, I mean, some of the foundations, the stuff that has like probably the worst foundations possible, like the CIA or other organizations that have such a dark history and entrenched history. Um, wouldn't you, I mean, should we disband those and just make new ones on a better foundation, a better past? I mean, you can't forgive doing what we've already done for the past, however long, I don't think we should ever forget or forgive any of it, but it's also about like, how do you, Try and wipe some of the slate when it comes to just getting on a better path of doing better. I mean, our the whole space thing in general is completely everything that we have has been from either Nazi invention or some type of thing like that when it comes to just getting into space. So you can't take that back, even if we're building rockets that are completely separate from that. It doesn't matter. We, that's how we started, and that's how it's going to go forward. It's like the very first car. It's like if you mess that up with some type of deep wrong connection, then every car afterwards you can be like, yeah, but the very first one was you know, made by a Nazi. So it's, it's, it's difficult to have
2: that. I was just going to say Henry Ford was personally given the order of the German Eagle by Hitler. Uh,
0: Yeah. He also liked his book, Mein Kampf, uh, Hitler's little biography that he had.
2: So it's funny you bring that up.
1: Also, you, you got into my favorite question now, Robbie, you know, what are we going to do about it? But that is a bridge to cross. We're not at that bridge yet. I think we're close. But we cross that bridge when we come to it. We can't cross it now. Uh, It was interesting that Bobby Kennedy Jr. in his uh, announcement that he's running for president, he mentioned, uh, he quoted his uncle, JFK. I'm gonna gonna split the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. You know, (laughs) he said that out loud in a speech. Announcing he's running for president. Uh, Nobody's done that. Not even Bernie did that. Bernie backed off of the idea of doing that. Uh, So here we are. So we're trying to get to that bridge. Uh, What do we do? That's a tough question. You know what? We're going to need a think tank to think about that. (laughs) But first, we have to get to the bridge, and everything we do now is to get to the bridge. We have to force the government to accept the conspiracy. Because without, uh, as long as the Warren Report is the official lie, there is no massive criminality. They get off scot-free. As soon as that is accepted as a lie, and it is a conspiracy and everybody accepts that, then we have to do something about it. And then we're at that bridge, and then we need a think tank to think that through thoroughly. And we need somebody like Bobby Kennedy Jr. who's already thinking about it and probably has been for a long time. I'm not saying as president, I'm not endorsing. So people think you're crazy though. If you if you start endorsing, if you, say, if you start saying, I'm gonna send Bobby Kennedy some money, I mean, you're canceled immediately. <laughs> and they're trying their best to cancel him. Just watch, a fa- this is the most fascinating, election period in a long, long time, probably since Bobby Kennedy.
2: I'm worried. I'm worried. I am concerned.
1: But fascinated. Fascinated. But
2: fascinated and more power to him. I mean, uh, I'm glad he's doing this.
1: All I'm saying is let's watch this closely and let's see what we can learn from it.
0: What are your What is your take, Joe, on some of the secret society stuff that goes on? Some of the roots that we got on it. I mean, do you think that should be public knowledge? Um, like it should be taught in schools or something like that. I mean, we do have an issue with the Skull and Bones Society and other things of this sort.
2: So one thing I noticed, I was a private investigator for a couple of years, and um, so I, I would go to I would go to the uh, police stations a lot, and I worked all over Texas. And then I would they would send me to Southern California. So I would go to Long Beach, LA, all the the whole LA, LA metro area, right? Doing my thing. Um, every single police station that I walked into um, had a Masonic order plaque in the building that said which one they belonged to. Um, uh, you know, then listed the address of the place that they go and all and so when they I got a new feeling about when they say the thin blue line about how police cover for each other. Like it's it's literally brotherhood. When they say a brotherhood, they mean a brotherhood because they join this Masonic fraternity. Um I can't tell you that I don't think the world is run by secret societies. Not exactly. Uh, But you will definitely find people creating fraternities of their own, whether in the Ivy League or in the police, um, and then acting in accordance with that. If you want to say that that's conspiracy, I mean, uh, that's fine. Um, I'm just saying that that's what I observed. Also, there's a very good book by, um, it's called Fire in the Minds of Men by James Billington. A lot of right-wingers like that book uh, because he's kind of a libertarian. But what he's talking about is the effect of the secret societies on both the U.S. Revolution of 1776 and then the French Revolution of 1789. And he draws some interesting comparisons because there are secret societies all over both of those revolutions. It's very interesting. It's a history. It's worth knowing.
0: I don't think uh, that the world's run by secret societies or anything, but I, I think it's—I think you need to have a rule where you can't have any people in positions of power that are connected to those types of institutions or anything like that, even if it's a fun getaway thing. I had a guy on here to talk about secret societies who is an academic and not into conspiracy theories, uh, more just in the facts of things, of what we can prove. And when we talked about Bohemian Grove, I asked him about, like, don't you think that's weird? And he was kind of just like, I mean, they're just talking about like a pipeline in Russia or something like that. I was like, yeah, but it's in front of a a fucking owl statue. I'm like, that's a problem. That's weird. Go to a hotel order pizza. I don't care, but don't do it in the middle of the forest over tea or whatever you guys are doing over there. He's like, yeah, but it's just setting policy. I go, that's the thing though, is that if you invite a business person, let's say a friend brings a CEO of a capitalistic business or something like that comes in and that business now becomes entrenched into things that we would deem as things that shouldn't have capitalism entrenched into our health institutions, for instance, or anything that gives the public a certain comfort or connection to just being cared about as an individual, which we can see through a lot of things that I'm not gonna talk about the pandemic, but there's a lot of issues that have been arisen that have been brought to the forefront that Bobby Kennedy is also talking about, which all the other people have been talking about for a very, very long time. And it's this connection that we start having. It never starts with, we're just going to bring in this company and we're going to use all their material for however long and we're going to give them exemption from everything. No, but it starts somewhere and the goalpost keeps moving to a point where we're at now where we got to start looking at cutting off ties. I mean, the whole medical institutions need a revamp and it's always kind of been crappy. It's not just pandemic related. There was Janine Jones, the angel of death who killed what they speculate upwards of 60 babies. And. Where Why it says upwards of 60 babies is the records were destroyed. The hospital destroyed her records because they did not want to keep getting sued and going further investigations into it. So it was a medical scandal and they knew about it and they pushed her off to a different hospital where she eventually got caught. I mean, that's just an institution trying to keep their reputation intact. We have a large push in society for wondering or caring too much about our reputations and I think that starts with when you start looking at business relationships, you start looking at connections and what your reputation can get for you. Look at the guy, um, what was his name? Bird, the guy who owned Texas School Book Depository that always, always having like parties at his house and stuff. He had the sixth floor window in his house and you'd have people stand in front of it and take pictures. That's weird, that's, man.
2: That's, that's the story. Yes, that is the story. I, I don't know that that's confirmed. I Richard probably would know.
1: They, oh, no, it's it's true. Uh, that window, that original window, is now in a little museum of uh, curios in East Texas. Um, I forget the name of the town. It's it's not as big as Longview, but it's it's in that area east of Dallas. Hmm. Hmm. There was an article about it. You can find it. You know, Google the the sixth floor window. You'll find the article. Uh, and. Now, I've written about David Errol Bird. See my article on Substack called The Lies of Texas. I knew that dude before anybody knew him. <laughs> and I know people who knew him personally. Uh, I don't know. Robbie may not recognize the name Daryl Royal, uh, the legendary coach of University of Texas Longhorns. But I know his son, Mac Royal, who worked at the LBJ Library for a while and uh, tried to do some stuff. Uh, to expose what's there. And they got rid of him fast. And he's got a fascinating story to tell. Sorry, Mac, if I'm talking out of line here, but uh, Mac and I've had some discussions. He's got the most fascinating family photos, too, that I've seen some of them of Connolly, him like hanging out with Connolly and Bird and all those guys. It's just amazing. David Harold Bird, The Lies of Texas.
0: So you can't deny, when it comes to those connections, that you're probably more likely going to look in the opposite direction when something might be a little bit corrupt or something might be a little suspect to the person that you're connected with.
1: You bet. Yeah. Okay.
0: Just, I just didn't know because we're in, like, like I said, coming from a more modern take on looking at the past, I'm seeing that this connection thing has just been going on for a very long time, and we haven't bothered to really address those types of
1: things. I started at the beginning of social media when I signed up for Facebook and Twitter. I decided the only way I can mentally deal with this is just the, have the default position that I'm talking, I'm already talking to chat GPT, what became chat GPT way back in 2000, probably not till the end of, yeah, it was definitely after the end of 2010. Joe knows what I'm talking about, that whole scandal. Uh, I learned what people will do to you on the social media, uh, and I decided, you know, uh, until they prove otherwise, they're deep fakes. They're, they're because uh, you don't know. It, before the term catfish came along, I was already treating them like catfish, and then you have to prove to me. I have like 200 people in my friend request list on Facebook, because, you know, if I don't know you, uh, and I'll even do a little research, well, accept
0: have, my friend request already. Geez. did
1: you? I, I thought I did. Yeah, you I'll did. accept. It. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you you crossed the threshold. I know you well enough to accept it.
0: Thank God. But
1: I, and I know other people uh, that I'm not quite ready because I look at their friends list. They're going to all hide their friends list from me now. Uh, and I see certain people that I don't want to associate with, or who I have told them, or they have told me not to associate with it. And if that's on their friends list. That's a possible connection back into that person. And I'm not going to connect with, with you, even though I don't have a problem with you. I have a problem with being connected through you to this other person. And so and that's why I have 200 friend requests that I'm not dealing with. But the
0: rule of thumb is, is that if you wouldn't wish them a happy birthday, then you don't accept the friend request. That's oh, the rule of thumb. I go farther
1: with that. I go farther with that because some people, you know, they, some people like to get happy birthday. Some people don't like to get happy birthday. Some people like it for a while, then don't like it, and then like it again. So what I do is I look and see, who who said happy birthday to me on my last birthday? And that tells me, okay, I owe you a happy birthday. That means that you you like getting happy birthdays, you like giving them, I'm gonna give you a happy Jeez, birthday. Jeez,
0: man, that's some calculated shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> it's part. of it goes into yeah. that whole thing, but now we have, everybody's aware of chat GPT, Oh, Chat GPT is nothing. Uh you know, Japan and China and Google, Google as a matter of fact, they have quantum computers. Come on, give me a break. The singularity is imminent. The technological singularity. If you don't know that term, look that up. Boy, if you're this you is another
2: th- this is another thing that Richard and I will have a disagreement about too. <laughs>
1: What the well, maybe, not, maybe not. I mean, we have areas where we agree. I mean, I think we fundamentally agree on the secret space program.
2: Yeah, we agree on the secret sp- Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I was gonna I, I don't think there I mean there could be one. I agree there could be one. I don't think there is one. So that's At a least,
1: difference. to the point they were sending spies up in the sixties. I don't believe that. that.
0: When you when you said that, I didn't I don't know if I believe that.
1: Watch the NOVA episode, Secret Spies, uh, Space Spies, or something like that. NOVA. I mean, if we're talking about low Earth or orbit, yeah.
2: Not past yeah, not, the planet. Not actual space. Yeah. Although, I, you know, it's funny. It, it,
1: I, a I lot grant of this you comes that, down to... I grant you that skepticism because you haven't seen a UFO.
2: Yeah. This is true. I, not, not to my knowledge. Um, but it, it, even the moon is within Earth's atmosphere. Technically, it's just that it's very, very, you know, it's the, the atmosphere sort of extends out. And so, um, but I think most people have a, an intuitive idea of what space is. And it's not where the space shuttle and the eyes space is space. You're out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we do agree completely. That's what I was saying that, you know, you listen to the really honest experts and they say, we have no idea how to get to Mars yet. We don't, we don't know if we can survive such a trip. It may be impossible. The honest ones will say that out loud.
2: More power to probably
1: it. not. So I agree. I'd say probably not. <laughs> uh, almost certainly yeah. not. So we agree there.
0: Yeah, but... No? Okay. But um, what about actually going into space and landing on the moon? Do we have an agreement on that?
1: I say we, we did, and I proved it in my... I don't... Uh, my I, yeah, mind. I don't know.
2: I don't think it's possible with today's technology much less 1969. Obviously,
1: obviously they blew up a, a rocket.
2: Well, that was Elon, that wasn't actually <laughs>
0: NASA.
1: No, oh, no, he's in yeah. he's Well, they just went with uh they just went with Bezos on the moon lander. So we have a new moon lander now and it's Jeff Bezos's project. But Bezos well,
2: chi- I, chi- yeah, China China landed on the moon 6 months ago. They have a robot Something like that.
1: They have a robot up there right now, and it saw something weird like in the first week, some square cube object on the horizon. And the next plan after that, we're going to go to it and find it. And it's going to, but it's going to take us like two weeks to get there.
0: Let's see. Do we agree with what this is about to be? What this guy says? Just going to play it. And you Shoot
3: let me know. The moon. We can visit other people with their habitation we can keep track if there's something very important to be developed from the moon i'm not sure what it is right now and i sure think we should identify what it is for america to make such gross expenditures again for human habitation on the moon we can help we can join with together we can explore the moon and develop the moon we should go boldly where man has not gone before fly by the comets, visit asteroids, visit the moon of Mars. There's a monolith there, a very unusual structure on this little potato-shaped object that, that goes around Mars once in seven hours. When people find out about that, they're gonna say, who put that there? Who put that there? Well, uh, the universe put it there. If you choose, God put it there. Yeah, Maybe that was-
0: he also said there was water on the moon. Um, I don't know if NASA be vetting their astronauts, but that really brings up the question. Like, is there really like some brain damage, like CTE that we don't know about when you go into space, like something about some type of astral dust or particles somehow? I don't know. Cause that, when I saw that, I was like, I don't know at this point, it's like, you just have the government now acknowledging UFOs exist or they've known about UFOs. Um, so you kind of just open up the door to be like, all right, how much of him being either, I don't know. He looks like he's. He doesn't look high, but he's looked like he's speaking with some clarity about something. So I feel like someone just because after this, this an article came out that says it was all fabricated, It was all fake. Um, but then you know I don't know if they pulled him aside and was like, "Hey, Buzz, yeah, what the come on? Cut! You can't be saying that type of stuff."
1: He's got a long history of doing that. He's got that's that's Buzz Aldrin. He's fascinating that way. He said some of the most fascinating things. Richard Dolan did a whole uh, episode about. The astronauts and he got into Aldrin, Aldrin has just like let slip some of the most great stuff about what they actually saw and what's actually out there. Uh, and they don't like it. Yeah, they take him aside and they say, come on, Buzz. But he he's considered, he was considered by all the astronaut corps to be the smartest one of the bunch. He was the, the test pilot and scientist guy. Do you think he holds took...
0: resentment against Neil Armstrong because Neil was the first one on the moon?
1: No. No, he was. The, he got to be the first one photographed stepping on the moon.
0: Well, he was the first one apparently to relieve his suit. The yeah, bathroom he saying, in the he suit. Had,
1: he had his first, and also he's the last survivor of Apollo 11. Last survivor. Is he the last one left in the entire Apollo program? Maybe. So he's got his first, you know. There's no room for jealousy. Okay.
2: All
0: right. uh, I think that's really all I had. I know we didn't have a plan to do anything for this episode or anything, but I thought I sent a message out saying we're doing a space episode, but apparently no one else got the damn memo. But
1: <laughs> no Well, it works. We, we talked about space. Yeah, yeah, yeah I enjoyed Sammy, it. Sammy Davis Jr. said, it's always better without a rehearsal.
0: And he was right. That's very true. I appreciate the time you guys gave me to talk about. I know I, I, I know it's like a lot of people go really super deep into the non-space stuff or the conspiracy stuff on that. But I think this was a little bit more balanced. I just found myself over the past couple of weeks looking through a bunch of stuff. where are being like a lot of issues. I mean, a serious really issue, even Buzz Aldrin just addressed it, was the budget issue with NASA. Like there's a large amount of money that's being funneling into NASA's program. And there's probably a certain amount that we don't know about that's going, that could be going to a secret side of it. Sure. Um, but, you know, I'm not for that much spending on what their budget actually is um i think if i have the actual might be able to pull it up real quick just to show you give you guys a basis they they openly publish their budgets uh and i'm just surprised that more people don't know about how much they're actually making
1: look it's all nonsense there's no way to know if there's a black budget anything we try to guess about the us economy is nonsense we can't guess because there's a black budget we have no idea what's there and you know, i could be they could be manipulating all of these downturns and you know stock market crashes and and recessions that that could all be manipulated because there's enough money hidden from us to do that with it's just don't don't waste time trying to figure it out just concentrate on the fact that there's a black budget and the rest is like just useless to figure out.
0: But how After come that, no, like I two like two thousand five hundred and six million dollars for Spain launch system to focus on successful completion of Artemis two and preparation required for Artemis three and four which includes the Block 1B configuration and other upgrades, and then $1,225 million for the Orion program to finalize assembling and testing the Artemis II crew, $794 million for exploration. This is all just for Artemis two. And that's not even scratching at the surface, because you look at the overall total budget for the whole Artemis project, which... Just for that one year was provides $3.4 billion to fund agency-wide business capabilities, technical oversight, and infrastructure maintenance, and provides $454 million to ensure NASA's infrastructure laboratories and critical facilities are safe, secure, and mission ready. And that's just – I mean that's just for what we have for 20 – is that – now? it's just 2023 to 2024. Well, I don't know how they know that. We're only five months in. Um, yeah. It's a lot of money for sure. There.
1: Who knows anything? That's my point. Who knows anything?
0: $132 that? million dollars for habitation systems to continue developing key technologies to enable the crews to live and work safely in space with initial focus on lunar mission activities. Include life support systems, logistics, reduction, food, and crew health and systems. $18 million for crew health and performance. Six, Dude, what are you talking about? Put some Neosporin on it like everybody else and get on with your day. You don't need that much money. I'm just kidding. There's probably, I mean, that food stuff, I mean, the whole procedures and everything that goes into that is probably dangerous, but I'm interested in what that black budget is because there's a lot of stuff that's, where's this money coming from? How do you lose, like you mentioned, Rich, how do you lose like a certain trillion dollars of money and then it's not like a big issue? It's like when Bellasio, the mayor of New York, he lost like $198 million to a mental health fund and everyone's like, where did that money go? Like. I want to see your garage. You better show me a damn Lamborghini that's made of gold bricks or something.
1: The hunt for zero, oh, you know uh uh who was it? The uh, Lasar. Uh the UFO guy, Lasar. He uh, he had a gold something like that, gold car like that. Um, um
2: I apologize guys, I'm, I'm I'm up against it. I got I got to go.
0: Yep. Uh Joe, promote your links real quick. Uh, Rich will promote yours next and we'll just wrap it. Okay,
2: sorry. Uh you can get me at uh, Joe Green JFK. Uh Hidden dot org. That's a good one. Uh but Joe Green JFK is the main one. And I'll link
0: that in the description. Rich, you want to promote your lecture real quick and I'll
1: wrap up. views my name, but with V-I-E-W-S instead of M E W. com. I got 30 articles up there now.
0: And I'll link those links in the description. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.